0: Oh, thank you, Jesus. We just thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here today. And your word is here. Lord, you have gathered with us. We thank you, Lord. Your word promises us that when we gather, Lord, even two or more, Lord, your word says that your spirit is here with us. Your presence is here with us. And Lord, like we pray often, but it's not just a cliche, spiritual, nice thing to say, Lord. We mean it. Moses said, Lord, we don't, I don't want to go any further without you. I'm not going without you. I want you, Lord. I want your presence. I don't even want it. I don't want an angel. Lord, I don't, I don't want to be just, I don't just want a good life. I don't want you just to promise that they'll, okay, I'll take care of you and I'll guide you there. Lord, we want your presence with us, Lord. And so I just pray right now for our hearts to be soft to you again, Lord, And be here with us. Thank you, Lord. God is good, isn't he? And he is in this room. Um, He is alive. He is not dead. He is not in a grave. We're just about to celebrate Easter in a couple weeks. And Jesus is alive. Jesus died. Jesus paid a price. And Jesus rose again. He sat next to the Father, right, at the right hand of God, right? He sits alive and in power. And I just want to just take you um, into some things today that the Holy Spirit's been speaking to me about. And it's that we cannot be led by our feelings, but we must be led by the Holy Spirit. We must be led by the Holy Spirit. But it's such a subtle thing, isn't it? Our feelings and the Holy Spirit. Our feelings, see... In Christianity, we have an understanding that there is a body that you can see here on the earth, that you are a body. Who is here in a body? Anybody not in a body today? Okay, we are in a body. But what is within that body, right? There's something within the body that is greater than the body, right? Even even the Bible says, it says, don't fear who can kill the body. But, right, but fear the one that can judge, or depending on your translation, that can, can deal with that soul in you. There's a soul within that body. Come on, let's just, let's just understand this, right? You have a soul within your body. Now, some people differ. Some people believe that you don't have a soul and a spirit, that you just have a soul. And that when they see soul and spirit, that it's the same word. Um. I'm not even going to touch that and argue with that. Regardless, we do know that when we receive Christ, what did Jesus promise? He said, when I go, he talks about it in John, starts encouraging his disciples. I'm going to leave. Don't cry about it. You're not going to understand it. I'll come back. I'm going to encourage you again, right? He encourages them again and again, even after his resurrection. He encourages them, and he tells them to wait for the Holy Spirit, Tells them in in John that the Holy Spirit will come, and then after his resurrection, wait, the Holy Spirit will come. And so they receive the Holy Spirit, the completion of the picture that God wanted in a person on the earth. Right? So our salvation is secure in Christ. Your eternity is secure in believing in Christ. But the person that you are on the earth is complete with the Holy Spirit in you. Some people don't believe that you are incomplete without the Holy Spirit. I think as you really study the scriptures, you can believe without having the Holy Spirit, but the complete fulfillment of what God accomplished was to believe, to receive Jesus, in, in, in what he did for you, in the purchase he paid for you. He covers you with his blood. He sets you apart. He get, secures a place in eternity for you, but then sends the Holy Spirit to you. Come on, church. This is the word. Sends the Holy Spirit, not just to you, because he told the disciples in John, the Holy Spirit is with you, didn't he? Remember, before even Jesus went, the Holy Spirit is with you, but soon he'll be in you. So whether you believe that you also have a spirit or not doesn't really matter because one way or the other, there is, if you call yourselves a Christian, if you have laid your life down and repented and given everything to the Lord and asked Him to be Lord, and then we ask that the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, at that point, now your soul must submit to the Spirit of God. Your soul, though, is still in you. Who is very aware of your soul in you? <laughs> Does anybody need to be taught? <laughs> the soul within you, we understand in Christianity is this. It is, and 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 you, there's many, many verses that build this picture. So I'm not going to go through those things today. I can talk about that another time. But we understand that the soul is your mind. Everybody say your mind, it's your will, and it's your emotions. So it is. All of your calculations, it is all your thinking, it's all your figuring stuff out. Who figures stuff out? Who overanalyzes? Anybody in here overthink? Who, who thinks, 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 thinks? Who can't go to sleep at night because you're still thinking? How, who in here has, and all those thoughts are pure all the time? Oh, I don't see any hands being raised anymore. <laughs> And then within that place is your will. Who has a strong will in here? We're New Yorkers. That gets a hard knock, but you know what? <laughs> let's submit that to Christ and be proud of that, that we are very stubborn against the devil, right? Come on, let's, let's turn that stubbornness, right, that gets ostracized and known as like, oh man, New Yorkers. Let's turn that against the enemy and say, you know what? I am a little stubborn. I'm not going to be stubborn towards you as my neighbor, but I'm going to be stubborn that, no, I'm not willing to negotiate with the devil, and I'm not going to give him any ground in my life. And so that place in you is your will. That's the deciding. So you calculate, and then you make decisions, right? We think it all out, right? And then James talks about where sin begins. James says that within you is a desire first, It's in that mind, and that comes, it doesn't, the devil can't, he can influence those, but it's your own desires, the Bible says. You're drawn away, James says, by your own desires. And so this mind in you is constantly thinking, and then your will within you is deciding how to deal with it. And then finally, your emotions in there are we are really weave through it all, right? Because depending on how you feel, everybody say how I feel, how I feel, right, determines how I think and how I decide. Really, your emotions influence, right? And I was saying last week, when we're cranky, when we're tired, we make bad decisions, and we justify our decisions, and we say, "Well, I'm tired." which means now we have a license to be a jerk. I'm cranky. I haven't gotten a lot of sleep, so I'm going to let the devil shine today instead of Jesus. But it's funny. We don't say those words, but that's what we're doing, right? When we let the devil rule that in our day because, well, I'm tired. I'm cranky. I haven't gotten a lot of sleep. I haven't. I'm fasting. Lord, I'm fasting. We throw that in his face. Well, Lord, I'm fasting, what do you want me to do? He said, well, I want you to go wash it. What's the word say? Go wash your face, put on a smile. And I want you to act like you're not fasting anyway. In other words, you don't ever have a right to be cranky and to be tired. And if you can't be, I want to say it's almost like you've got nothing good to say, you know, don't say anything at all. Jesus would be like, listen, you, you just, if you can't be, if you can't represent me, then you need to go home. And don't be around people. No, I'm serious. I'm serious because we're not giving a good witness. Just, just get away. So there is a will and there are emotions that are dictating that will and, and creating some thoughts in you. And they're all playing tag team on each other. Who knows they play tag team? You know what tag team is? were those games? I mean, depending on what, you know, which, which version of that is, but basically, you know, I tag you, you're it, you tag me, I'm it, and they play on each other. You know that your emotions and your will and your mind, they play on each other. Because you think something, and then someone says something, which makes you feel a certain way, which makes you then react a certain way. Meanwhile, though, the way you were thinking was wrong all to begin with right? I've said this before, you think that person doesn't like you, they're just thinking, man, I gotta pay my taxes in a couple days. (laughs) And you're reading them, right? You're reading someone and then we're making decisions and we go, they're such a jerk. So then we react as a jerk back to them. Meanwhile, they're like, if you were to really sit down and really think about it and talk about it, they're like, wait, what? That's why you were a jerk to me, because you thought I was being a jerk to you. Our soul man, as we call it in Christianity, is so powerful and it will try to rule you. Your soul will try to rule because it's been ruling until the time you get saved, it's been trying to rule. You've been just doing what you wanted to do, when you wanted to do it, and how you wanted to do it. And this is not a new condition. Everybody say, this is not a new condition. This has been humanity's condition since the beginning of time. We can go all the way to Genesis, right? And we can find that, I mean, we're in Genesis 6. Didn't take very many chapters, not just one man's sin, and we can't just blame it on Adam. We can't just, you know, blame it on Cain. But now it says all of humanity. They all just want to do what they want to do and when they want to do it, and how they want to do it, if you were to put it in 2019's language. And it's because their soul, they started deciding and reacting and feeling and doing in their own way. Even Cain, the very first outside-the-garden sin of murder, started with some, there was some jealousies in there. Come on, what did, do you, anybody remember the story? What does God tell Cain, right? Who knows the story? Remember, Cain and Abel each bring a sacrifice to the Lord. God's not pleased with Cain's sacrifice. Without getting into the whole story, because we don't have time today, God's not pleased. You remember, everybody, that God's not pleased with it. And you can, there's ideas of what it was, and it looks like maybe it was that Cain brought leftovers and not the first of his, they're not the best. But regardless of what happened, Everybody say, that was yesterday, yesterday. right? Something happened, though, in Cain. God didn't leave him there. You know God doesn't leave you there. Everybody say, God doesn't leave you there. there. He doesn't leave you. That's the devil. Devil comes to condemn. He crushes you, and he leaves you there. The Lord always gives, and and I'm getting ahead of myself. It's the Holy Spirit in his sermon here today that he always gives you a way out, always gives you an escape, always gives you a chance to... Repent and turn and come back and do it again and again and again. You know, God's not the God of second chances. That's a lie. He's the God of 1,101,000 chances. <laughs> and then some. He is the God of over and over and over again. It's not, uh, it's not even logical, right? We don't give each other that right? We give each other one chance. You got one chance to prove yourself to me. You fail me. That's it. You're done. You're cut off. (laughs) But then God, you know, we think wrong things. Oh God, I'm sorry. Forgive me, Lord. And we just expect that instantly, that's it. It's, It's all good with God. He's forgiven us. That's it. It's washed away. And yet with each other, it's not logical. His grace, is it? And his mercy. And I'd like to, if I can, touch on also that we need to give what he's given to us. I don't know that that will happen today. Let's see what we get. But just be aware of that thought today. Let this just be a thought in you. As we're talking about this, think about the grace and the mercy that you demand of Jesus. We demand it. You may not say those words, but if I say to him, God, I'm sorry, and I walk away, then what if I'm expecting, I'm I'm demanding in a way, maybe not with harsh words, but that he forgive me with no argument. I'm not asking his opinion on the matter. Lord, forgive me, and I walk away. And I just expect it. But each other, it's like, well, I'll forgive you, but you still got to prove yourself to me. Okay, you know, you got to go through. It's going to take 10 years before I fully accept you back into my friendship circle. Come on. I know I'm touching nerves here today, and a lot of us. Just put that in there. That's just the Holy Spirit's extra. That's your bonus today. That's not necessarily the, the whole sermon, but that's a bonus in there. Back to Cain and, and Abel. Cain brings an offering the Lord's not pleased with, and the Lord tells him, Cain, you need to watch out. Everybody say, Cain, watch out. All right, so the Lord warned him. The Lord warned him fair and square. He said, listen, if you do right, won't I accept you also? If you do what is right, I'll accept you also. And for God to say that, Cain must have known. The implication is in the wording that he would know what right was. And he also knew that he had done wrong. God wouldn't say, you know, if you can solve this calculus equation... Then I'll, I'll give you salvation <laughs> without knowing that we had the capability of doing that. So God gives him a way out and tells him, and beware, right? Who knows the words? What's it say? It says, because sin is crouching at your door. Now he hadn't given in to sin yet, but it was crouching at his door. And so something is now beginning to happen that the Lord, and we should read that and listen and pay attention, is, is giving us insight into the story. God is actually, he, we have the whole word, and we have the whole story. We can see the beginning and the end all at once. And so I'm paying attention because I know where it goes. Who knows where it goes? But it was a jealousy. Come on. Where is jealousy? Jealousy. What is jealousy? I mean, who can really define it? Okay, you can give me the Webster's Dictionary definition, but what is that thing inside you? And it's this soul, it's a soul thing. Everybody say it's a soul thing. It's something happening between your mind and your emotions and your will, and they're all creating this picture. Now, you ready? This is what Cain's saying. God loves Abel more than me. God's, you know what? God's always loved Abel more than me. Abel always gets everything from God. I, I get nothing from God. Now, I'm just, this is just me. That's not the Bible. Don't say, well, wow, he said that and I didn't see that in there. I'm just wondering, you know, for him to do what he does, what is he thinking? We know that he got into jealousy and then got into anger and got into rage, right? And what does he do? He goes out in the field he plans it too. Goes out in the field with his brother, He's premeditated, and kills him. Goes out there and kills his brother out of something within him. Something began to warn him, and the Lord warned him, and he didn't listen to the warnings. And the point to bringing up that story is that your soul is not a new nature. It's not a new thing. Don't be surprised by your soul. Just be aware. Just as he told Cain, be aware. You need to deal with that thing. If you don't deal with it, it will become this. If you don't deal with that bitterness inside you, it will grow. Come on, did you know that these emotions grow? Who needs to be taught that? Who knows that emotions run rampant? Right? That's I didn't even make that up, right? It's something that we know. That's a phrase that's known. They run rampant. They run. They do what they want to do on their own. And they're playing with your, your thoughts and your will and creating actions that are opposed to God. We need to learn as believers to get those things subdued. Everybody say subdued. And I began to talk last week about humility. You see, when in doubt, God wants. God is all about love. And God is all about bringing love. God is all about us being expressions of love. That's what he was. Jesus is the expression of the Father's love. Jesus is the Father's love. To put it in one word, it's love. Just love. You could put love up there and it, should be, it would be the same. If you know Jesus, you would know that's him. And so to really be Christ is to be love. And then in order to be love, you have to let love. Everybody say you have to let love. You have to let love work inside you. It It's something that God has done for you supernaturally on the cross. But then when you receive it, it begins to attack. Love is... Think of your emotions running within this world as cancer, right? And love comes in and starts killing that cancer. It's cancer in you. All those emotions, all of your evil thoughts, all of the things in you, there's there is no good in you. Just get, just, let's just lay it down right now and stop trying to be good. And just realize there is no good in you. But, I say but with a capital B, but the Lord is longing to produce good in you and through you. Which means, if it's not in you, then where does you need to go? (laughs) Come on, let's just get this, let's just get through this church. Come on. That we are not good, it is not in you. Jesus said it. Jesus said there is no one good, no, not one. If you think you're good, you're not. It's Jesus. And it is only Jesus. It is only Jesus that can make you good. He is the only one. He is good. He is life. He is truth, right? And so on. We go down through the fruit of the Spirit as well. He is all of the good, and you can't define it by yourself. You can't define it by this world's definition of good. If you try to ask the world what is good, you're going to get, if you ask a hundred people, you're going to get a hundred different answers. People say this, who's heard this? Well, I just think if you're a good person, you'll go to heaven. Okay, I'm not opposed to that answer, to find good for me. If you're a good person, you'll go to heaven. Technically, they're not wrong. The devil's a twister. That's what he does. He twists. Jesus tells tells us there's no one good, no, not one. So Jesus the only one good. If you're good, you go to heaven, which means Jesus has done a work in you. Come on. So they're not lying, but their definition is wrong. And you learn that your definitions are wrong. We have to go to the word. We have to trust in the Lord. We have to trust in the Holy Spirit. You cannot define your, your plan. You cannot define good. You cannot try to figure this out on your own and try to think it out and knowledge it out and flesh it out. You will mess it up every single time. Everybody follow me today. But God sent His Holy Spirit in there to do a work in you. God sent a work... Of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say the Holy Spirit Spirit came came as a completion to Jesus Jesus on on the cross. I'm going to say my opinion, but I do think this is biblically backed, but it is my opinion, and I always preface this first. I think the real issue with God's church today is that we come to the cross and we camp there. Talk about Jesus. And listen, I need to be really careful. I'm not taking anything, not even one little tiny thing away from Jesus and his blood. But Jesus got off the cross. Come on, guys. Jesus paid a price on the cross. He went to the cross. Then he got down. Come on. They took the nails back out. You know that, right? We come to the cross and we just stay there. But Jesus went and took captivity captive come on he took the power back from satan there's a, there's more to the story and then when he sat on the throne then he sent the holy spirit into us when he did that it was so that you could continue in his footsteps It was so that you could now be, and people get offended at this, but this is the Bible. I'm not elevating you or puffing you up with pride, but so that Christ could still live on the earth. Because Christ did not die. He's alive. He's not just alive in heaven, but he's supposed to be alive in us on the earth. And much of the lack that we're finding in the church is not a lack of good programs. It's not a lack of good build, you know, big buildings and great music and and all these different things that we try to do. It's because we're still fighting with ourselves, within ourselves. It's not submitted. We're not. We fight and we war with everything and everyone and everybody, including our leadership. And then the leadership as well behind the scenes is living in sin and doing this and that and not respecting the people either. It's the fully submitted person to Jesus Christ, letting Christ be Christ, not just saying, okay, thank you for your blood, thank you for your grace, now I'm going to go sin. We don't say that, but that's what we do. As soon as we leave him and then go do our thing, even good things, come on, even when you go do good things, we don't realize, the Lord is, wow. The Lord is very particular on how you do things. Did you know that? I was just meditating, and and you know, the Lord, he just started to say something simple to me. Um, I want to do something different today. I said, just simple. I said, okay, Holy Spirit. And immediately I had a picture of Moses. Moses struck the rock and water gushed out, right? Remember that story? How incredible, how amazing. I've never done that, by the way. This is a pretty amazing moment this guy has in, in connection with his God. He trusted his God, believed his God, and God did something. And not for him, did it for the people, didn't he? Then the Lord began to show me how. Then the Lord tells him sometime later, speak to the rock. Now there's all kinds of sermons in this story. I don't want to get into all the details. But I just want to simply understand this. You cannot rely on what worked for you yesterday. God still gives the water. Why? Because he loves the people. He still loves the people. But Moses had a place with God that was supposed to be a place of utmost reliance. Do you know that the Bible says that Moses longs that the prophets, that the greats of the Old Testament actually what they long to have what we have? The word actually implies that they long, that they, would, they wish that they could have what we have. Why? Because we have the Holy Spirit living in us. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. He had the presence of God, and he had some elements that we don't think we have, you know, because we're like, well, he got to see God face-to-face, saw the Red Sea split, saw some things, and man, he had a lot higher standard than I do. I don't know, because now we have the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God was literally shed for us, and the Holy Spirit, okay, the Spirit of God that was in the earth then came inside you, so be careful when you say, well, Moses had a higher standard than me. I don't know that that's scriptural. I think our standard is much greater because we've been given much more than he had. Right? He had the law. The Lord gave him the law. But the Bible says New Testament, post Christ, post the blood, Holy Spirit, what's it say? What does it say? I will write my law on your hearts. We don't need to go. Now listen, I'm not saying get rid of your Bible. I'm just saying that before you even read the verse, you know it's wrong. (laughs) You already know because we have the Holy Spirit. I'm saying, go read your word. I'm not saying to get out of your word. I'm just saying, you know when right and wrong, all right? The Holy Spirit, if you call yourself a Christian, you've been walking with the Lord, you know, you start to learn when the Holy Spirit's tugging on you and your emotions are gonna try to tug too. Come on, this is what I'm trying to get to. Your emotions are still gonna try to tug you when the Holy Spirit is saying to you, and I bring this up so often, but I just know it's the Lord. When the Holy Spirit's saying, forgive, but your emotions are saying, but. But. And see, we go, well, Moses strikes the rock and pours out the water. The Lord still blesses the people. Moses thinks he's good, and then the Lord has a, a wake-up call for him. He says, you, didn't, you were disobedient to me he didn't listen and now going to I have to keep you out of the promised land. We have such a standard with Christ and the church has become so weak cuz we're really disobedient. We come and we go. We come to God when it's convenient. We use God's gifts for our own advantage. And and really what Moses did which was so big, which is such a big deal is that he got emotional didn't he? He got frustrated. I mean, really, what's the story about? What happened? You know, what's funny is Moses actually stood in the gap for those same people, didn't he, that he got frustrated at. He stands in the gap. The Lord's like, I'm going to kill them all. Just, I'll just, you know, we're going to do a brand new thing, kind of like a Noah's Ark thing. We'll do a new thing. I'll use you and your family. Let's do it again. And he stands in the gap, and he pleads for them, Lord, no, like Jesus Christ, right? And then those very same people that he, had, that he stands in the gap for are the same people that out of his frustration, come on, his anger, his emotions that were still in there even though he saw God, even though he walked with God, even though he had the presence of God, even though he had the law of God. Come on, let's get this picture. And let's, fast, let's put it in New Testament. We have the blood of Jesus Christ and we have the law in our hearts. And the Lord said, No. You have to be led by me. You can't be led by what you think and by what you feel. And he reacted. He reacted out of his own thoughts. These people, they're so annoying. I'm really tired of this. You know what? I've, that's enough, Lord, given them enough grace. He strikes it out of anger. Lord is not pleased. I want to just come on church. Are we having a good time in church today. <laughs> he is not pleased when you let those emotions out and you go "Oh, but the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus yes absolutely come on we can't get rid of that but grace is so much more everybody say grace is more, grace is more. for the, the next few minutes I want to take you to otherwise if I don't go there now I'll never go there so let me just go there I always say today I'll just going to talk for like 20 minutes I have a bunch of different things and I'll just say, I'm like 20 minutes today. That's about all I've I've had right now from the Lord. But but then I come and I say, okay, Lord, I just want you to look at this. This is in the book of Jude. Thank you, Lord. Jude chapter one says in verse three. Actually, turn to Jude chapter two. Oh, that's a joke. (laughs) See if anybody got that. No, anybody paying attention? We still awake. <laughs> Listen to Jude chapter 1. Come on, is this good, guys? Jude chapter 1 says Dear friends, I had been eagerly planning to write you about the salvation we all share. And there's such a picture in this one verse, verse 3. We have salvation in Christ, in Christ alone. Isn't that amazing? Come on, let's not, let's not discount it. I hope that you don't misunderstand me today and let's not discount the blood and the love of Jesus Christ. He loved us. John 3, 16 says he loved you so much. He sent his, only, his one and only son to die for you. His love is so incredible. The picture of the cross is so incredible. But look what it says in this verse. I was planning to just write to you about the salvation we all share just wanted to talk about salvation, but I feel strongly, I feel urged. He says, I feel urged, I feel like I need to talk about something else, but now I find that I must write about something else. Because much of the church is twisted what salvation is. Much of the church, they've got, they got salvation all twisted up. I just wanted to talk to you about salvation, and I could do that to mature, but I feel like I need to deal with something, though, he says. He says, but I find I must write about something else, urging you, everybody say, to defend the faith. We have to be defenders of the faith. There is more to your salvation than your salvation. I've been saying this like a broken record this winter, into the spring now, but that if it was just about salvation, then he would save you and then take you to heaven. But why are we still here on this earth? And it's because it's not just about your salvation. See, if you read through the Bible, you go from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. John, I mean, even John, I just don't have the time. I understand what these guys went through who served God. God blessed them. God took care of them. God did many things. John's writing the book of Revelation. But do you realize it's never about them? You know, John, while well, he's writing the book of Revelation, he had just been tarred to death, but it didn't kill him. So like, what do we do with this guy? Put him in, the, in the, you know, the, you know, where they drop the person, a horrible, horrible torture and suffocate you. You know, future, it was tar and feathers, right? He doesn't die. That's what history tells us. So they put him on the Isle of Patmos. It's never about you. Do you think John questioned his salvation? I think John knew his salvation that he had in Jesus. I think he loved Jesus so much that his life became nothing to him. That's what true salvation was, in fact. He understood that salvation saved him for something, that his eternity was secured. but he wasn't thinking, oh, am I questioning my eternity on a daily basis? He wasn't hanging at the cross like, Lord, I gotta come back to the cross because my eternity is in the balance right now again. Cause, sorry, Lord, I love you. Last Sunday was great, but I had a—I just had a worldly week. You know how it goes. <laughs> I was struggling this week, and I just—I know, Lord, I'm struggling. I just can't forgive those people, and can't—you know—and I just—I can't help it looking at those things. It's so much more than just your eternity, but it's living in salvation, living. In a place of salvation, living out, in fact, the salvation that Jesus did in you. He saved you and he says, so I feel like I need to write and I need to urge you to defend the faith. He said that God is entrusted once for all time to his holy people. And I love how the NLT says this next verse. And I just want to pull up here as well. Uh, my Bible here open, so I have the other translations next to it. Because in the New King James, it says, verse three, he says, I was diligent to write you concerning common salvation. I found it necessary to exhorting you to contend earnestly he says, verse four, for certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turned the grace of our God into lewdness. So they, they messed with the grace of God and denied the Lord Jesus. But the NLT, I love how it says it. He said, some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches saying that God's marvelous grace, see, let's not discount the grace. It is a marvelous thing. His blood, his love, his grace is amazing. And I tell you as your pastor, I say this often, I live in that grace. I understand that grace and I will will not go away from that grace. I will stay in that grace. That's why last week I was talking about you need, when in doubt, humble yourself. Get back into that grace. Just just humble yourself before the Lord because pride comes before destruction. Pride comes before fall. So whenever you think maybe I'm in my own strength, I'm just going to humble myself back before the Lord and just say, this is your, I'm your vessel. This is your church. This is, my, this is your family. These are your children. This is your life. Just humble myself again. When I think maybe I'm getting off and starting to do things in my own strength, just humble myself again because I'm not getting out of his grace. I understand his grace. I know it, but, and so I will not discount it. it is a marvelous grace. But he says that some people are saying that God's marvelous grace allows us, everybody say, allows us to live immoral lives. That the grace of God gives you power. Just to really, if you put putting these translations together, into lewdness, denying our Lord. It says, saying that guards it says, the condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. See, that's incredible because I thought grace comes through Jesus Christ. So when you twist his grace, you are actually denying Jesus. See, Jesus is the only way to eternity. We say, well, Jesus is the only way I believe. Well, is your belief lined up with his word? Or is your belief in a name? Is your belief in your local church? I just heard, I read the history, and I'm not gonna say the name. If you know who it is, you can find out on your own, but I was just reading church, a church history that just happened in the last decade. A church came tumbling down to nothing, and they had over 10,000, I'll just leave it at that, over 10,000 members and crumbled down to zero within weeks. Because the pastor left. And, and it wasn't even, it was no affair. It was not drug addiction. It was just harsh treatment. He was a harsh pastor. I'm not, I'm not condoning him, and I'm not asking you to let me be harsh either. I'm just saying it wasn't even major, major, but they asked him to step down. He steps down, and the church just tumbles down to zero. And I thought, man... That is not a congregation. That's an audience. That's not a congregation. That's an audience. And, you know, it's so subtle, but it's because if, they, if they, you ask them about Jesus, I guarantee they would testify about Jesus, and they would tell you about his grace. But there's so much more. What about... See, the immoral life, he actually goes into the details of what it is, and you can go through the book. We don't have time. We're talking, you know, there's dark things. There is sexual sins that he goes into, and there are, are other things. There's some deep things and money things and so on, and we see those things. But at the heart of it, he also says, they just do, verse 10, the NLT says, uh, the, the New King James says, like, natural. They, they don't know naturally. And the, and the NLT says, they just do whatever their instincts tell them. They're just so fleshly. They're so feeling-based that the pastor, you know, they, they, just the news. Nobody even knew anything. But the news that the staff was arguing with the pastor, 6,000 people didn't come the next week. Not even, we don't even have, you know, there was no proof. And technically, even what I'm reading, there's no proof. I mean, we're just, it's all based on hearsay. Well, this one's arguing with that one. And I'm not, I did not bring this, that part today to talk about me as pastor, you as congregation, or talk about any pastor congregation purely. That's why I'm not even naming the names. You can figure out who it is. That's good for you. I'm not even naming the names on purpose because that's not the point. The point is that, that there was a people, they must, there's like, where's the depth of them that says like, hey, hey, wait a second. It's not just about my salvation. Okay, I got my salvation. What about being the church? What about standing in the gap for each other and even standing, maybe even standing in the gap for that pastor and fending for him and recognizing his humanity? It says that they were, they just did whatever their instincts tell them. And it says, verse 16, I thought this was amazing. You know, Jude 1 goes through these crazy things. He's talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. (laughs) And then Jude 1 gets down to verse 16. We'll just, we just breeze over these verses. We're like, yeah, it's so dark. It's like Sodom and Gomorrah again. Verse 16, these people are grumblers and complainers. Wait, what? Wait a second, Jude. Wait, 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 wait. Are you telling me that the book of Jude had to get written because he's like, listen, I just want to talk about salvation, but you know what? I got to deal with something else. We got to fight for our faith because there's people that are grumbling and complaining. Are you serious, Jude? Wait a second. Grumblers and complainers living only to satisfy their desires. It's the only reason a church like that would fall. And I I know that there's many, many, many of those members that I know went and cleaved to other congregations because they do know Jesus, but they were so self, so fleshy, they knew their salvation, but they had no life, no substance to them, come on church, that they... Will leave because of hearsay, or even if it was true, even if it was true, where is the fighting? Where is the contending for our faith? Where's the, you know, there's words I'm not going to use, but that has been used from the world of this is men and women, but where are, let's just say, where's the men and women, okay? I want to say, where's the men? Because I'm a man, but there's plenty of strong women. Come on, women, you can stand up and say too. Where's the women? Where's the men and women and say, I'm going to stand in the gap. I love my salvation. I love that marvelous grace, but I want to live for Jesus. I want to live for real. I want to know him and no one and nothing can rock my faith. It doesn't matter what anyone says or does. I know who I am in Christ and if everyone else around me fails me, then that means that I have a job to do. Wait a second, that sounds a lot like Jesus. Everyone left. You know, even at the cross, only John is standing there. Does Jesus then come back after him and be like, sorry, Peter. I saw you deny me three times, just like I said. I knew you would do that. I knew it. I just knew that you were going to eventually deny me. What's he do? He encourages him, builds him back up. And as I just mentioned some weeks ago, Peter even goes to his own cross and says, I'm not even worthy. History tells us to hang right side up because Jesus did that. And I'm not even worthy to die like he died. Put me upside down. Because of grace and mercy, because the real faith that was in Jesus, come on, needs to be in us. That love, that compassion, that ser- the seriousness of God was then that was in Christ is supposed to be in us. The same way he treated Peter, we should be then treating each other. There's a contending for the faith. Salvation is amazing. The grace is amazing. But it is not to get so that you can just do what you want and when you want to do it. And there's many elements to that. You can go through Jude yourself and and there's many other things that are happening. But I just, as I was just seeking the Lord this week and Jude kept coming up because the darkness of the times and even in the darkness in the church that has come. Come on, you know, there's darkness and deceptions in the church, but there was then too. And then we need to stand in the gap and fend. You know, we have an answer and I'm gonna close with these verses. Just very quickly, I'm gonna breeze through. He said, my dear friends, verse 17, Um, you must remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ predicted. They told you. All right, so we were already warned. Everybody say in the last times, and I'm just going to close with these. In the last times, there would be scoffers or mockers, you may know it as, and they would walk according to their own ungodly lust, right? Or the NLT says that they will live to satisfy their ungodly desires. They're just living by what they feel, by their flesh. And, and, if, and if anything rocks that boat, you rock my boat, I'm out of here. You rock my boat, see you later. Don't rock my boat. I want you, I'm going to come to church. Come on, guys, this is not about you. This is just to understand. I want you to serve me. I want you to give me what I need. If you do anything else, then exactly what I need, but don't worry about everybody else, just about me, then I'm leaving. Who's ever seen that movie? I think it was The Truman Show, right? Is that the name of it? Whole world circled around him. That's what people think in the church. Because, I mean, you read Jude. I mean, we could read about all the serious darkness. And then I was just reading, and I saw complainers. And I was like, wow, Lord. You put complainers in the same list as Sodom and Gomorrah? Complainers. Because, see, Jesus taught us it's not about your desires. In fact, as I was just seeking the Holy Spirit about this sermon, it's, you know, there's so much self in us today. And, and the Holy Spirit just really put something in my heart so simple. He just said, if you don't expect anything from anybody ever, you can never, ever be hurt. Nobody can ever do you wrong. Because you're not here to be served, you're here to serve. If you live like that as a believer, come on, this is the faith we're talking about. Remember, I mean, John, as I just said, was literally, I'm sure his skin was permanently scarred, still with black on it. I don't think it comes off ever. And he's on the Isle of Patmos, completely ostracized and writing the book of Revelation to encourage the churches. It's not about you. It's about each other. It's about your brothers and sisters. That's amazing that you found salvation in Jesus. Now start living for your faith. That's amazing. I'm not taking that away. I will preach the rest of my life about the grace and the love and the mercy of Jesus, but it is there to fill us. Come on. He kept going to his disciples. Your faith is not increased yet. I mean, that's what happens when Jesus spends time with you. What he's going to ask you is, why don't you have faith yet? Come on. And he, he's Because he was expecting it to grow. You keep living with me. That faith should be growing, 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 growing. And I'm not worried. You're going to make mistakes, Peter. But... I'm gonna, and I'll love you. But now, get, you know, Peter didn't like just live it the rest of his life. He's like, I'm the guy who denied him three times. He lived for Jesus. He picked up the pieces and said, Devil, you're never doing that again. You're never doing that again to me. I'm living, I'm not living for self. And so it says in these people, they create divisions. These are the ones, the, the flesh, the self ones, verse 19, NLT. Again, I just love how, because it's just modern English here, what it says. It says the same thing in traditional text, but it really puts it in today's language. It says they follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's spirit in them. But he's talking about the church. So, and that's this sermon as I started today, and I just that's what, I'm, that's what I'm closing with, is that idea that there is the soul in you and there's the Holy Spirit in you. And when the soul rules, you're going to see it. You're going to see the soul. It's just natural instincts and the complaining and the murmuring, which is, and I'm mentioning that one, not even accusing this church of that, but because that, that seems like, like nothing. Complaining and murmuring is the same, is equal, equal to the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah? And the idea is that because it was all just about self, you know, self, self, self. And you, and I have, you can go to First Corinthians and uh, review how he's talking to First Corinthians, reviewing what they did right with Moses, reviews the story, and says that it's written there for us. It was penned down for us because they went through all that stuff and they still complained and murmured. But he tells us what to do. Verse 20, dear brothers and sisters, build, you may know it as build yourselves up. And it says here in the NLT, build each other up because it doesn't say build yourself up, build yourselves. This is a community thing. This is a church thing. This is a group thing. This is no matter what's happening because we're talking about divisions. We're talking about led by flesh creates divisions, verse 19. Verse 20, build each other up. So when it says, or you you know it as build yourselves up, it doesn't say build yourself up. It's not self yourselves this is a it is something that is you can't build someone else up unless you built yourself up in christ but really i find that the more i build someone else up i'm built up automatically come on who has found that and if you go so much to christ for self who feels like a little like maybe claustrophobic almost like i need to get out of this room i mean i don't want to get out of his presence but i need to start giving some of him i just feel a little too maybe um what's the word uh greedy for, our, for of Jesus. I mean, let's be greedy for his love and want it, but then let's give it, give it. Come on, we need to give it, give it, give it, give it, give it, give it, and then till there's nothing left of you. And it says, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, And it says, you will keep yourself safe in God's love. There's a safety in that place. That's the church that he's looking for, is not just at salvation, but that also says, I'm going to live for the faith that Jesus Christ established, which is selfless. It is not me. It goes through issues, goes through stuff, but always gets up and says, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to love others. I'm going to put, prefer one another more than myself and so on. I don't want to keep re-preaching. You know me, I can keep going, so I'm going to stop. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We just praise you, Lord God, that you are in this house today. And I just pray, Lord, that your word goes out past this room, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that it would go beyond this room. And I pray, Lord God, that every single person, Lord, who is dealing with you, Lord, we start talking about your grace, but also, Lord, your conviction, and it creates a sharpness in our spirit. Is a warring, and I just pray right now in Jesus' name against that warring. I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would deal with every single heart in this whole congregation, Lord, that are outside this walls. so they're not even here today as well, Lord, all of them. We thank you, Lord, just deal with them, and I thank you Lord, that you've put us together on purpose. We are here to love each other, to build each other up, to be one as you told us to be, and I thank you, Lord, in that place, Lord, of one, Lord, then we're going to do mighty things for your kingdom and only in that place. So we just give you, Lord, our hearts again in Jesus' name. Amen.